morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Robert Nambu Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Well, it is Christmas Eve. Somebody say amen. Do you still get excited about that? You should. Don't let your age steal the joy from that. Our Lord and Savior was born. We need to celebrate that. Amen? That's what it's all about. It's about lifting Him up, exalting Him, giving Him praise, honor, and glory, and exalting Him among the nations. And church, we need to do that again. We need to get back to where we are lifting up His name, praising His name, not just on Christmas Day or around Christmas time, but year-round, because He's worthy. Amen? And He is our Lord. And you know something else? He's coming back again. And coming back soon. Oh, my goodness. Well, good morning again. If you're visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you. Ask you to fill out the little visitor card. You'll find in front of you places to offer places to come around so we can have a record of your visit. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well and ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary with us at Wild Saturday Baptist Church. Come experience what God is doing at RABC. Come and be a part of that. Speaking of what God is doing, let me share with you a little bit about what's coming up this week. Of course, tonight, you probably know at 6 p.m. we have our traditional Christmas Eve candlelight service. You don't want to miss that. Come and be a part of that. It's a reverential time, a worshipful time. It's almost all singing. We'll have a very short sermon. I know that's a, that's a promising passage. Hard to teach. We're going to do that. We'll have a short, short sermon in that, but a great time of worship. We'll let you out about 6.45 so you can get back to your family, to your friends, to your loved ones, and get back to celebrating that Christmas time. But do take time out of your schedule to come and worship the Lord. 6 p.m. tonight. And like I said, if you're online and you're looking for somewhere for that traditional candlelight Christmas Eve service, come and be a part of that as well. The office will be closed Monday and, of course, Tuesday in observance of the Christmas holidays. We'll be back in the office on Wednesday at 9 a.m. Resume right where we left off at, so please come and be a part of that as well. Wednesday night services will pick up uh, Wednesday at 6.30, uh, and so we'll continue with our normal Bible study and prayer service there. All right, the men's Bible study is taking a break till January 7th. I think I got that right. And the ladies will pick back up in January as well. So please be on the lookout for their upcoming dates and their new Bible study that is starting in May. Come and be a part of that. All right, what's happening in January? So number one, we will be having a Discover the Robert Kennedy Baptist Church Library Day. That's going to be on the 13th. You're going to get together and have some library games, talk a little bit about what's in the library. And, of course, they're going to have some creative uh, artwork as well and creative tasks for you to be a part of. You get to know a little bit about what your Robert Stanley Baptist Church Library offers. The plan to be there is going to be from 10 to about 12. Also, the youth group will be meeting out to the Five Rivers Baptist area. They're going to go to a game fest, music and game fest, where they're going to compete with other youth groups to see if we can beat them in Gaga Ball. Amen? So be in prayer for your youth group to win. Amen? <laughs> All right. Uh, coming up Sunday the 14th, you know, in the evening at 6 p.m. We are going to not meet in Robertson Avenue. This is January the 14th. We'll meet at uh, Unity Baptist Church right here in Costco for our United Baptist Association of Texas annual meeting. And so we'll come out and support us in that. I'll be preaching the associational annual. So please support me in that as well. Pray for me in that as well. We'll have our associational church together. It should be about 10 to 12 different churches, maybe 15 gathering together at Unity Baptist Church. It's just on the end of Copper Cove, headed north for Gateway, right at the edge. Unity Baptist Church can't miss it there. So please plan on being a part of that as well. All right. So most of our activities are, of course, postponed until after the Christmas holiday. 
to have a little bit of lull, a little bit of break in there. So take that time to work with the Lord. Take that time to spend time with your family. And take that time to rest just a little bit before we get back up and get back to work in January. Here are announcements I may have forgotten. Yes, sir.
your way back to your seat so we can continue on with our service. your way back to your seats and sit down and then stand back up again. And we will sing. Actually, you know what? Let's all just sit down and sing. You want to? Let's have a break this morning. Let's sit down and sing. Just sing louder, okay? All right, let's sing. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Kill that. 
away in a manger.
have your Bibles with you, let's bring to you from Dr. Matthew. Before we begin, let me say Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Every one of you are prayed for, sometimes more than once a day. I have a list that you, every loved and every member is joined. Or sometimes we have permanent visitors who keep coming, and I just accept you as, as members, and I pray for you as well. You pray for every day. More than once, sometimes twice, sometimes three times a day. Sometimes, as I'm praying, I feel the joy of the angels. Sometimes, it just comes to mind, I stop what I'm doing, I pray for you. And I want you to know that you are loved, you are thought of, you are prayed for, and you are owed so much appreciation. God bless you, love and every day. title of this morning's message is The Night Before. I know that's kind of oxymoronic. <laughs> We're talking about today's message and the title of The Night Before. I love a good pun, even though that's not our pun. Perhaps you'll find it in today's sermon. Perhaps you won't. But please turn with me to Gospel Matthew chapter 1. When I hear the word The Night Before, I like to think of preparation. Think of briefings and staffing and goals and intentions and expectations, things that, that I would do as a supervisor for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice or as pastor of a church, which I think of those things. I think of them as the night before. Last night, even when I returned home, I'd like to say happy birthday to my big brother. I wish he was watching this morning, but I want to ask you to please pray for him. I wish he was. When I returned home, my thoughts went straight back to my preparing for tomorrow. Really, what my thought was is, am I going to be able to sing that song again? <laughs> Do we have the supplies for tonight's candlelight service? Do we have the staffing for that? What is our goals and our intentions and our expectations of such service? And that's what usually comes to my mind when I think of the night before. However, years and years and years of training has led me to truly and honestly believe that if you are preparing the night before, you're already way too late. But how many of you were expecting, when we say the night before, something like this? Well, the night before Christmas <laughs> went all through the house. Now, I know our PowerPoint isn't keeping up with me, but there it is. How many of you were expecting something like this? Well, the night before Christmas went all through the house. Not a creature with security, not even not. That's by Clement Clark Moore. So let's look then at the night before Jesus' birth. And I want to use that term loosely, the night before, because we know that Jesus' birth and the arrival of the wise men took some time. We don't know the amount of time, but we know that it didn't happen at the same time. What can we learn, though, from the people and circumstances before Jesus' birth? So this morning, Perhaps you're joining us online. Let's look at Mary and Joseph and what we can learn from them. Let's look at the shepherds. Let's look at the angels. And let's look, of course, 
let's begin with Mary and Joseph. Let's pray together. Father, come to God in Jesus' name. And I want to thank you, Lord God, for your word. And I'm asking you to reach out and touch us. Speak to us. Open our hearts, Lord God. If there's anyone who needs to come to know you as personal Lord Savior, would you let today be that day? Or perhaps, Lord, there's one here that has a broken fellowship with you. Would you let today be the day, Lord, that we can't and we'll come back home? I pray, Father God, that you work a miracle in our hearts today. Do a mighty work in your people's lives, Lord. And the need to need to be a part of outstanding or any work God. You need to surrender to your ministry or whatever the case may be. Would you let today be that day? We need to pray, honor, and glory. In Matthew chapter 1, we begin reading the story from Joseph's point of view. We start now in Matthew chapter 1, just to give you an idea of, in our Western life, how important the Father is. You need to understand Joseph is not the Father of Jesus, God is. Joseph is going to take on the role of stepfather. He, like the rest of us, is human. There's a lot we can learn from him. There's also a lot we can apply in his life to our lives. There is no doubt why God chose him to be Jesus' earthly father. What a wonderful man Joseph was. Now, we haven't read the scriptures yet, but I want you to think a little bit about Joseph. And I want you to put yourself in his shoes. You're betrothed. Now, I need you to think about that for a second. The Bible tells us that Joseph and Mary are betrothed. When we get into Luke chapter 2, you're going to find out that they are betrothed. And that means they are legally married, even though they haven't come together as husband and wife yet. What does that mean? Well, you've got to be Jewish. And when you're Jewish, a contract is made between families, between husband and wife. And that contract has a very special Hebrew name. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about Jewish background today, but that particular contract is called Ketuvah. Say it with me. Ketuvah. Ketuvah means an oath, a promise. And that promise lays out the expectations of what a husband does and what a wife does. Now, I don't know about you, but I think we need to bring that custom back into the United States. Somebody say amen. Some of you are like, uh, no, we don't. I need a clause of a clause of a clause that said I can get out. Ketuvah was a contract. And that contract laid out clearly the expectations of what a husband does. Now, let me tell you, in a Jewish life, husband is expected of a couple of things. Number one, he is the priest of his family. And let me tell you, dads, right now I'm preaching to you. If you're online this morning, let me preach to you just a little bit. Dads are expected to be the priest of their family. That means we go to God for our wives, for our children. Can I get an amen this morning? That is what dads do. You pray for your children. You pray for your wife. You pray for them every day. Not just that, but you pray that the devil keeps his stinky little hands off of them. Amen? We are the priests of our family. We are the ones that are supposed to be the spokesmen for God. And not only are we the priests, we're the prophets of our family. And when I say prophet, I'm not talking about someone who predicts the future, though most of the time when I say prophet, most people think of looking at this future prophesying, predicting person. Prophet in Hebrew is the word Navi. And Navi means spokesman for God. As the father of the house, and this would be in the Ketuvah, you are the spokesman for God. That means you are the one that lays down what a family can and can't do according to God's laws. Let me tell you something, Dad. It's your fault when you let drugs into your house. 
It's your fault when you let alcohol in your house. It's your fault when you let pornography in your house. It's your fault when you let immorality into your home. Dad, that's part of the computer. You're the prophet. You're the spokesman. Some of you are starting to say right now, we need that back in American weddings. You know what else we need back in American weddings? Loyalty, ain't it? So we need, though, those dads to be back there to preach to the prophet. They're also the providers. I know it's the year 2023. Getting ready to be year 2024. I'm going to say this. I hope I don't get canceled this week. <laughs> but as providers, dads, we're supposed to be the ones providing. Those things happen. It is. I'm a realistic person. That's all we all think happens. People get hurt. Dads get hurt. Moms get hurt. And sometimes the situation changes. And I don't think there's anybody in the world who judges against that. But Kaduga, the Kaduga lays out, particularly, that you are the priest, you are the prophet, you are the provider of your home. You know what else you are, Dad? You're the protector. That's right. You're the protector. Not only do you defend your family's honor, you prevent your family from doing things to dishonor your name. Can I get an amen on that? We're missing that as well. You are beginning to understand how Mary and Joseph were betrothed. They are in engagement. We, we like to say they're engaged, but more than engaged, they're legally bound to her. She would go to him once again before the marriage ceremony. Remember, part of the ketubah goes, he is not going to get his bride until Joseph's father says, the room you're building for her is ready. You know the Jewish story. You know the background. I love Jewish background, and I share that with you often. Let me give you another one quickly now, just because I have your attention for a second. We just sang a beautiful song called Heart to Herald. Angel King, did y'all sing that with me? I know you did. And you sang that wonderful verse from Malachi chapter 4. It says, He's risen with healing in His wings. You might say, what is that, Pastor? God doesn't have wings. He absolutely does. He doesn't. But He does have something we translate in wings. Jesus wore them every day. You might know what they are. Your pastors still wear them to this day. That's what they are. A particular Hebrew word that they translate the wings is called dixie. And that dixie is exactly what that woman with the issue of blood reached up and touched. Aspidon, if you drink the fringe of his garment and experience healing, that's the same Talib. He laid down on that dead little girl in Mark chapter 5 and he said, Talib, the Little girl, I say to you, alive. Little girl wearing my collie with my deep feet. Get up, because there's healing in my feet. I you got that in Malachi chapter 4. I told you, it's Jesus Christ. So begin to understand that our Messiah, our Savior, our Jesus, very Jewish. In case you didn't know, he's Jewish. There are a lot of people who forget about that, especially the Christmas time frame. They go shopping. They want a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. That ain't going to happen. No. They want a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Mary. That ain't going to happen. Not this. They invented Clairol in those days. They didn't. They're Jewish. They're Jewish. And you are looking at a Jewish family with a Jewish wedding contract called the Ketuvah. And that Ketuvah laid out what was expected of Joseph. You're a priest. You're a prophet. You're a provider. You're a protector. You're all 
such a way that was expected of Mary. You know it. You've heard it. You've heard it many, many, many times. God says it to His people all the time. I am the Lord your God, and thou shalt have no other gods before me. That is the woman's expectation. I am your husband, and thou shalt not be unto another man. Y'all looking at me like a cat that a brand new date. That is her expectation. That is all that's expected of her. She will not be for another man. You've heard it from the prophet Hosea, and he redeemed his wayward wife. He goes to her and says, I will be unto thee a husband, and thou shalt be unto no other man. So you see the picture now. Mary and Joseph were the people. Mary gets visited by the angel Gabriel. Of course, as she gets visited, she tells us something miraculous. You're going to be impregnated. You are going to have the Messiah inside you. She rejoices. She accepts. She goes immediately to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, who's also pregnant with the baby. She stays there some months till John is born, and she returns. When she returns, Matthew chapter 1, Joseph reminded my Bible friend to put her away privately. Why does he want to put her away privately? Because she was broken in his eyes. Can't go away, visit her cousin, come back pregnant, and stand in the lineage of Joseph's family. Joseph, just like the rest of us, he's looking at his wife saying, Why? is broken. My trust is broken. This cannot be repaired. This cannot be fixed. No sorry can take this away. Matthew Wood comes to over the next chapter 1. And we read our first scripture. 26 and 27 in Luke chapter 1. The Bible says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed with a Petruva to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of Galilee. The virgin's name was Mary. And Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your words. Verse 38, and the angel departed from her. And now, let's turn our attention to Joseph. Matthew 1, 20-24, but while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. What's happened to her is not unfaithfulness. Joseph, what's happened to her is not adultery. Joseph, what's happened to her is not fornication. It's not lust. It's not, I wish I had another man. She gave herself to God, and what's in her is not sexual. It's of the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand there's a big difference between the Immaculate Conception and the Virgin Birth. Want to go over that quickly now? We probably need to do that. The virgin birth here in the Protestant church is what we believe in. And that means that Mary stays a virgin. God implants the seed into her. The Immaculate Conception is where she becomes pregnant. You understand Mary's a sinner just like us. Mary has a sin nature just like we do. You can't pass that nature on to Jesus. All Mary is is 
Mary can do nothing on her own. She can't save herself. She can't take you to God. She can't bring you to God. And incidentally, she is just a sinner like we are. However, she is quite a role model. And we'll continue on that next week. Look okay in Matthew 1, 20 24. We're looking at Joseph. Probably thought about these things. He's wondering what to do. What should I do? How am I going to live this down? How am I going to live through this? How am I going to make it through this? And on top of that, don't want to see Mary get cursed. Now, you know what the law says. The law says if she commits adultery, they are to take the stone and stone her and remove the folly from Israel. Joseph doesn't want to see her die. While he thinks about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. For all this was done, and it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord to the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And Joseph, being aroused from sleep, his angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Now, remember, we're talking this morning about the night before. And on the night before, Mary and Joseph had to start doing something to get ready. And I want you to know, Christian, that right now we're closer to the return of Jesus Christ than ever before. In fact, some people are beginning to say, we are just a few minutes before that midnight. It's the night before. And are you ready for the return of the Son of God? I would not think of it like this. Oh, Pastor. I need to start getting ready for On the night before, we can learn a lot from Mary and Joseph. Can you see what Mary and Joseph did that night? Can you see what they did? First thing that we need to put to work in our lives, we can learn from Mary and Joseph. And that first thing that they did, and the first thing we need to do, and the first thing we need to put to work in our lives, is that they believe. They believe. Mary believed. The Lord, Mary believed that God was capable of anything. And while she's visiting her cousin, child goes living. And Joseph believed. And the angel showed up and said, Fear not, take unto thee, Mary, thy wife. For that which is in her is not of adultery, it's not of fornication, but the Holy Spirit. They be leave. That's the first thing a Christian needs to do right now in their life. Now, we're looking at what to do the night before, and the first thing you need to do is believe. Look with me here. Hebrews 11, 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The first thing a Christian needs to do, the first thing anybody needs to do, is begin believing in God. If you don't believe He's real, you're missing out on the whole point of God. He is real. He is alive. And He's coming back one day to take His people home. The Bible also tells us in John 20, 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. You have got to start believing. Quit saying, show me a sign. Quit saying, give me something in writing. Quit saying, let me know it's real. Perhaps you're online this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I need that kind of faith. I need that kind of relationship with God. It starts when you believe. 
Look at John 20, 31 again. But these are written that you might believe. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, this is Mark 9, 23, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. When's the last time you've truly believed? When's the last time you believed what God said, what God is going to do, where God is in your life? When's the last time you believed? I believe you should begin to get the idea of what we're talking about this morning. Check this out. Look at me in Matthew 13, 58. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. If Jesus didn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief, imagine what he could do when they actually did believe. And I want you to know something. Imagine what God could be doing in Copper Cove, Texas, if everybody in the pews of all of his churches began believing began believing, not just, oh, there's a God out there somewhere, but that God is with us and that He is Emmanuel and He'll never leave us nor forsake us. The first thing we need to do tonight before is begin believing. Begin believing. It's easy to say, I believe in God. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, I believe there's something out there. It's another thing, though, to actually believe. Let me tell you something about God. The Bible tells us that it is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. In Ephesians 2 and verse 8, it is the vehicle of belief that God chooses to work that miracle salvation in. The first thing you need to do to get ready for the night is believe. Get ready for it. The morning is coming. You need to believe. You know, there's another group of people we can look at here. Mary and Joseph believe, and I think they're great pictures of belief. Mary's belief is God can do anything and God will take me through this tough, turbulent time. Could you imagine being Mary? Let's just stop for a second and think about her. Could you imagine being her? We don't know how old she was, but I think she was quite young. But could you imagine as she comes home from visiting her cousin Elizabeth and the whole neighborhood is turning out to see Mary because everybody knows everybody in those days. She's coming home and she's got a baby bump. Could you imagine the look, the whispers, the sights, the shouts, the giggles, and then on top of that to come home and say, her husband. Mary believes that she can do anything through Christ who strengthens her. Mary believes that no matter what happens, God is going to deliver her. Mary believes that if she surrenders to God, God will take her through the impossible. Do you believe this morning? On top of that, Joseph. God blessed Joseph. What a wonderful man. The angel spoke. He believed. That was the end of it. Hey, Dad, we need to start coming back to that kind of thought right there. The Bible says it. We believe it. That settles it. Amen. We need to get back into that. But you know, there's another group of people. Another group of people who were there that night. The night before. Look with me in Luke 2, verse 20. There's another group of people there. The shepherds. Let's take a look at them. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining who the shepherds were. I think you probably know who they are. These are the people who keep the sheep. Somebody say amen. That's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? They're the shepherds. A shepherd can be a generic term. It can mean cattle. It can mean oxen. It can mean camels. It can mean donkeys. It can mean goats and sheep. The point is, they had flocks. Look again, verse 20 of Luke chapter 2. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen and was told them. Well, what did these shepherds do? What did they do? If Mary and Joseph believe, and that's the first thing we need to put to work in our life, then what do we need to learn from the shepherds? What was told to the shepherds, do you think? What did they do? 
Well, the Bible tells us they... Again, and Luke 2. Let's read verses 8 through 12. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there was born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in a swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So what did those shepherds do? Most of us are thinking, well, they went to Bethlehem to see the baby. Praise God, they did do that. How many of you know that real faith requires real action? How many of you know that faith requires us to become obedient? But that's not what we're talking about this morning when it comes to the shepherds. We already talked about faith from Mary and Joseph. They believed. So what did these shepherds do? Remember now, the angels spoke to them. The angels talked to them. We need to learn something from those shepherds. Now, on the night before, we need to learn, like those shepherds did, we need to learn how to listen. God, help us to listen like the shepherds did. Those shepherds were all ears when those angels showed up. And most of us need to relearn that lesson because God is present in our everyday life. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And many of us come in and say, God's not talking to me. I want you to know he's got plenty to say. 66 books worth right there. When's the last time you listened and listened like a shepherd? Look at me in Isaiah 55, 3. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Do you understand how important it is, Christian, for you to listen? Not just believe, listen. God has got something for you to hear. God's got something for you to, to listen and to understand. Psalm 85, verse 8 tells us, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace to His people and to His saints. But let them not turn back to folly. We need to listen like the shepherds did. We need to listen like they did. When the angels spoke, they listened. They heard every word those angels had to say. Remember now, it's the night before. We're talking about the night before. The title of our message the night before, we need to start believing like Mary and Joseph. We need to start listening like the shepherds did. You know, there's another group there. There's another one. So let's look at the angels. What did they do the night before? What did those angels do? Look at me in Luke 2. Let us read verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill, or man. The angels were there. They said in a loud voice, praising God, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill, or man. So what did the angels do? What did they do? Well, you can say, well, pastor, they praised God. Somebody say amen. That is what Christians need to do. But you know what we call that, praising God? We call that rejoicing. Christian, you need to start believing like Mary and Joseph. You need to start listening like the shepherds. And you need to start rejoicing like the angels did. Why should Christians rejoice? Because God sent His only begotten Son. Because God's already defeated the grave. He's defeated the devil. He's defeated sin. You've got every reason to rejoice, Christian. Start rejoicing like the angels did. God has brought peace between us and Him. God has shown goodwill toward us. Rejoice, O oh Christian. Not just joy, though. You know, we have to talk about joy. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about rejoice. 
Rejoice. What is rejoice? It's like joy that you do again. Redo it. Rejoice. What is that to rejoice? You know, this morning when I was in the shower, I had a blast with that. I thought about that. I picked up the shampoo bottle, and I'm one of those guys that reads everything. And I read the directions on the shampoo. You know what it said? It said, rinse, lather, and repeat. I got to thinking about joy. Read joy. That's like, praise God, sing about it, and repeat. Amen. Read joy. You've got much to be happy about. God has sinned. His only begotten Son. And God has given us eternal life. And God has given us the victory. And God has given us Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Rejoice always. Christians, we need to believe. Christians, we need to listen. And Christians, we need to rejoice. When's the last time you've been joyful in the Lord? Or has church become some sort of dread to you? Let me tell you a special pastoral secret this morning. Church bothers you. You're here for the wrong reason. You come to church saying, those people bother me? You're here for the wrong reason. You're not here for people. You're here for Jesus Christ. If you're not praising the Lord, then church is going to be boring to you. When you start praising God, you're going to start listening to God. And you're going to start listening because you believe. And let me tell you, it all starts when you start believing. You'll find yourself listening. And when you listen, you'll find yourself praising God. Hallelujah. You'll be on a world all your own. A Christian who rejoices. A Christian who listens. is a Christian who believes. Bible tells us in Luke 15, verse 10, Likewise I say to you, this is Jesus speaking here, He says, Likewise I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Do you want the angels to sing? Do you want the angels to rejoice? Then you need to start believing this morning. You need to come home. You need to become a Christian. You need to get it right with God. Do you want to hear those angels sing? Then believe and come home. Pastor say, Pastor, I'm a little more like David. And I am a Christian. I am born again, but my fellowship is broken. Perhaps you're like King David. Look at me in Psalm 51, verse 12. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. This is King David after he commits adultery with that sheep, after he commits murder of Uriah the Hittite. And he cries out, Oh God, forgive me. Oh God, cleanse me. Oh God, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Is that where you are right now? Saying, God, I want a joy and I want to rejoice and I want you to restore the joy of your salvation. Perhaps you're the one who needs to come home this morning. We're talking about the night before. On the night before, we need to believe like Mary and Joseph. We need to listen like the shepherds. And we need to rejoice like the angels. And, uh, One last group of people. Let's look at them. They show up a little later. Look at them in Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. Let's look at the wise men this morning. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. What did 
have to say, Pastor, I am a Christian. I do believe. Oh, I believe. Somewhere down the line, I quit listening. How do I get back to listening? You know what you've got to do? Humble yourself and become a shepherd. You know what shepherds are? Well, they're not the business CEO. Humble yourself. That's right. Humble yourself. Most of the times we think, I need to be the next preacher. I need to be the next pastor. I need to be the next teacher. The next big deacon. Whatever the case may be. No. Humble yourself. You know what God's pushing you? Be a shepherd. Be a shepherd. Be willing to hang out with goats and sheep, camels, donkeys, oxen, and free and free. Humble yourself. Have to say, Pastor, I do believe. And I do hear God. Somewhere down the line, I've lost my joy. And I'm going to lose the joy and break the fellowship with God. You can say like David, Oh, and believe. The joy of my salvation is you willing to come forward and say, I need to be the second one. Perhaps you say, Pastor, I need to speak up. I see you. If not far, you read the scripture to me anyway. Speak out, and you will find him. Not and he will cry out. Be willing to come to Perhaps you're saying, Pastor, God is calling you to be a part of our family. Would you be willing to come this morning? Perhaps you're saying, Pastor, I am a member. I am a Christian, but it's time for me to be baptized. I can't think of a better day than Christmas Eve to get it right with God. Let's close in that word of prayer. And I want to ask you to humble yourself this morning. Father God, I come tonight in Jesus' name. Know how thank you, Lord God, for your word. Ask you to take charge. Even now, there be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. There be anyone that needs to get their heart right with you. They need to get their relationship right with you. There be anyone, Lord God, that needs to speak after you this morning. Would you let him come? For after things in Jesus' mighty name. Would you come as we sing without him? Would you come this morning?
what kind of worship do to love family dad church. Let me wish to my family, to your family, from the bottom of my heart to your heart, Merry Christmas. God bless you all. Hope to see you tonight for our traditional candlelight Christmas Eve service. Come and be a part of that. You're going to be blessed. I understand there's going to be a couple of specials that you don't want to miss. Come and be a part of that. We have 6 o'clock tonight. We'll end about 6.45 or so. And then we'll let you out to go finish up Christmas with your family, your friends, and your loved ones. So let's close in that word of prayer, and I'll see you this afternoon about 6 o'clock. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Dave Titus if you close the prayer this morning, sir. Thank you all, Shalom.